This episode of Idle Thumbs is brought to you by Squarespace. Squarespace is the easiest way to create a beautiful website, blog, or online store. Uh, there's an elegant interface, beautiful templates, customer support 24-7. Go to squarespace.com and enter the offer code THUMBS at checkout for 10% off. That's squarespace.com and the offer code THUMBS at checkout. Thanks, Squarespace. Thank you. I wonder how many people are going to type in thumbs at checkout. <laughs> Zero, because yes. they're smarter than you yes, are. Good. Oh. Type thumbs at checkout at checkout. <laughs> Note, thumbs is not a valid code. <laughs> Thanks, Squarespace. Enter thumbs is not a valid code at checkout <laughs> at checkout. Check out the code. Again, thumbs. again <laughs> thumbs is not a valid code. <laughs> <laughs> I check out. I really wish you could rewind this. <laughs> <laughs> It's Nick Brecken Day. This is Idle Thumbs 229. I'm Chris Remo. I'm Danielle Riendo. I'm Jake Rodkin. And I'm Nick Brecken. Yay! 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 Thanks. It has no business being Nick Brecken Day. Oh, I think it it is. Is I'm not going to qualify that, but I'm just going to (laughs) say. It actually is my mother's birthday. See? This is definitely Sky- actually so, Nick Brecken. So it's not today, it's, but it's the day that this is airing. Yeah, it's Skyrim Mom Day. Nick Brecken it's day. different. That's it's different. Skyrim Mom Day. So you're saying you're saying Brecken Day on on a day that should ostensibly be in celebration of your mom. Yes. You are the most relevant and important thing <laughs> connected to your well, mother. That's, that's how Nick so Brecken Day works. So it is de facto. <laughs> that's, how it works. <laughs> that's actually how it works. You appropriate Nick Brecken Day just supersedes other days at, at that yeah. moment. You've right. divided and conquered it was your July mother's 4th, birthday. It would be Nick Brecken Independence Day. <laughs> right. Yeah. You just, you, yeah. Anyway. Oh, what a good day. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm, I'm coming to you all from 20,000 leagues under the sea. Maybe even more than that? I'm, I'm not sure. I've been playing a lot of Soma. That's where the, I'm on the, going with on, this. On that, actually. <laughs> oh, are we about to get into 20,000 leagues under the sea? Well, yeah, because I, I so you you linked to the Polygon <laughs> review, which is written by Phil Kohler, who also linked to it. Uh, but in any case, <laughs> sure. um, I clicked on his review, and the strapline for the review was twenty thousand leagues, and I was like, "What does that mean?" I was so confused because I all I knew about Soma was that it was a science fiction game of some kind by the people who made Amnesia: yes. The Dark Descent, which is an amazing. I love that game. I think that's an incredible horror game it's just an incredible game it doesn't need the qualifier and uh and then i saw their their live action teaser that they put out i don't know what a year ago two years ago maybe yeah, i can't even remember yeah. um i didn't know i had no idea that this was underwater i was so confused <laughs> when I, i'm i'm like twenty thousand. is that a pun that i'm not getting because right, like, people because of the way they've presented it it looks like it's in it space space. i thought you were going to be a pedantic weirdo because twenty thousand leagues is not the depth 
that they go below the sea. They travel <laughs> 20,000 leagues under the sea because that's like 70,000 miles. Oh, I don't even, I didn't even know that. I did, and it made me mad. I've actually never read 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, so I, I don't know. But, um. Well. Yeah, so I, I Nor learned, have you played Soma, so I don't even know what we're talking weird. about here. <laughs> I learned today that Soma is underwater. <laughs> I guess it's an underwater yeah. horror game. It's true. Well, it's, I didn't know that. It's like Bioshock. Until, yeah. Nick weird. is making his face, and I'm Well, now, now I'm thinking, is this the game that, like, the first person horror game? Like, I'm just, I'm going through the same motions that you were going through, which is that yes. there was a, there was a first person horror game that I had You're seen, maybe like, thinking a year of ago. Stasis, the one that's actually on a space station? Maybe. Right? Stasis? I played that a couple is that of what I'm thinking? weeks it's not ago. First yes. person, anyway. I Stasis think, is I a point and click adventure game. Well, then maybe you're thinking of. Okay, Stasis is the point and click one. Yeah. But then there's the, there's that other, sorry, the Stasis is not the one I'm thinking of then. There was another one being made by a really small team, like four people. Yeah, Soma's the one that had the teaser trailer with the, like, uh, the little handheld device that was sort of a radar camera thing, right? Yeah, I think so. And it looked like it was on a space I mean, station. it looks alien isolation-ish. Yeah. Like, that's, yeah. that's yeah. sort of the first uh, callback that, that comes to mind with this game. But it's, it's a very, very different game. I mean, it's still a first-person horror game. You're still... Right hiding from bad things i won't uh-huh. spoil what because yeah. that's actually really cool and a really cool part of the game sort of um but it's it's like i said it's very much its own game so it is set in an underwater sort of lab like a high-tech lab uh and you you know you're a character again i can't i can't actually even say what your character is because that's, yeah, that's embargoed, i want to play whatever. this so i, I mean it's out it's already saying. out at the point where this is up so actually none of this none of that matters so it's okay <laughs> um it, it doesn't matter who you are really and i won't spoil anything story-wise all I, all i will say is that the story is amazing and actually really really good and i was not expecting it to be this good i was expecting like a good competent sort of haunted house in a high-tech spacey not mm-hmm. space but underwater kind of world and the story was really shockingly resonant and and it has a lot of interesting philosophical kinds of things to say about uh, the nature of sort of humanity and, and and what happens in a crisis and things like that. And it's actually very interesting um, and ties into a lot of how it sort of... There are scenes in this game that made me really upset emotionally. And yeah. that does not usually happen to me in horror. I get scared and I scream and then I laugh and, and that sort of thing. But this game, there are scenes that have happened in this game that have actually like upset me. I felt bad about the things I was doing. And that was amazing and wonderful and because it ties really well into the theme and, and into the story and sort of it, it comes together really nicely. I've played about 10 hours so far, so I'm not quite done. I think I probably have about two hours or so to go. Mm-hmm. I know I'm definitely towards the end at this point. And my God, that's, that's on so the long good. side for a sort of <laughs> modern game with a high level of fidelity and a story, you know, that's yeah. it's on the longer end. Yeah. And, and certainly this is, this feels like a frictional game. I loved amnesia as well. Like it yeah. feels like, you know, it kind of has that physics-y kind of thing going on where you can like throw objects mm-hmm. and, you know, there's a little bit of, of, you know, things will kind of rattle around in the environment. Has frictional sort of made a game since amnesia? I, I think themselves? they sort of like, I think they went from amnesia, the dark descent to this with like nothing announced came out. They, they yeah. produced a machine for pigs. Right. Yeah. By, they were involved, but they didn't yeah. make it. Yeah. That's right. Um, so this is, so this is, Five that's years cool. In the I mean, making, that's, basically, that, yeah. that is that is a cool thing in the in in that they are they made something that is they went from a game that was a huge success and then obviously they there was a sequel to it you know released yeah. by someone else but it's cool that the core team went from that to just something totally at least a totally different setting yes and this feels I don't, I don't know how to how to put this I'll try to uh, sort of work this out in my brain as I'm saying it but it feels like 
both a really smart sort of evolution of that and also a much bigger and broader and better game kind of overall. Like I said, the story, which I won't spoil, and it sucks to kind of have to dance around it, but it really is worth sort of discovering for yourself. Um, just kind of takes, you know, Amnesia started that way as well, where you're, you're kind of like, all right, I'm in like this sort of haunted setting. And then the story was actually kind of well put together. And, and actually there was a lot of pieces to kind of fill in. This really takes that kind of to the next logical step. Um, Does it have, like, when I think of the first Amnesia, the thing that I think about the most is, I mean, I also, okay, admittedly, I only played a few hours of Amnesia Dark Descent, so I don't know where the story goes, and I imagine it becomes increasingly relevant, but what I when I think of Amnesia, the thing that I think about the most is sort of the really simple monster attracting versus hiding from the monster mm-hmm. loop with, yeah. like, you have the lantern that lets you see, but it attracts the monster to you, but when you turn the light off you sort of start going insane, but you're hidden from the monster. So mm-hmm. you're, you try to end up going and hide in a dark corner, basically whenever the monster shows up, like I just, the way that all of those things interlock to make you like the mechanics push you to sort of role play, like a cheesy horror movie character <laughs> does what I imagine that's not literally what's in Soma, but do they like, what sort of the, the first couple of hours when you have nothing <laughs> but their base systems, what sort of what what are you doing inside of that? Like I mean, not story wise, yeah. but just sort of sure. I mean, you're doing it's a little bit better segmented actually, and there's sort of like areas where you're trying to figure out a puzzle. There's areas where you really are hiding and and doing very similar things to amnesia, and then there's areas where you're really exploring, like truly kind of open world style. There are sections where you get out of the lab and you're sort of exploring the undersea area and it's actually huge and I got lost in it several times. I didn't expect this game to be this big either. Like it it reminded me of sort of the Bioshock 2 segments underwater, only massive, like really, really big. And there's a lot of little sort of optional areas you can discover, you know, little bits of story here and there, but it it like always kind of behooves you to seek out everything. It's very, very cool. Uh, so yeah, it, it's it's better paced than Amnesia, I think, because it's like monster hiding or whatever creature kind of hiding segment, and then like kind of a puzzle segment, or maybe those two things are combined. You need to figure out kind of what to do while you're also hiding in weird dark corners and things like that. And then there's kind of a, a sense of like, okay, we're in the next section now. Now we're going to do something a little bit different, and that's great because it <clears throat> it both keeps the tension at like a a good level, like a really high level when it needs to be, and then kind of lets you cool down a little bit. I don't really feel like Amnesia did that as well as it could have. Like, there could have been a little bit better pacing with it. Not that... I'm not, I'm not like, taking a poo on Amnesia. I think it's a great game. I just feel like this is better... Better paced. <laughs> yeah. Overall, for sure. It's fucking awesome. Like, it's maybe one of my favorite games of the year so far. It's, like... It's getting amazing reviews. Fucking good. Already, so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of people were really surprised by how good the story was. And, like, how actually deep and interesting and intelligently written it is. I mean, it takes... It tackles a really sort of heady subject in a really interesting way. And it kind of, I don't want to compare this to Black Mirror because that's all everybody's been talking about with the whole pig fucking thing. But it actually feels like the way <laughs> that yeah, a lot the of... person who doesn't know either of those two. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> right. It's okay. Look both that. of them up. You will be delighted yeah. and sad. Yeah. Yes, exactly. It feels like Black Mirror's best episodes where it takes a concept that's been done to death in science fiction and actually kind of takes the next logical step with it. And that, that to me is the best part of black mirror. And this game did that with its writing. And yeah, I, that's cool. I think that's awesome. So play it. Also, there are jump scares. People have been asking me a lot about like, I really like horror atmospheres and I like creepy things, but I really hate jump scares. It definitely has a few, but it's, 
I think it's manageable. I think it's worth it to sort of experience it. So cool. Yeah. Good, good shit. I'm excited. I, I'm, <laughs> this is a game that I'm going to try and play, uh, with Sarah together because she <sighs> yeah. loves horror stuff. Oh, perfect. Like she, you know, she showed me what a nightmare on Elm street. For oh, the first perfect. Time, like yeah, last yeah. Week, which I'd never seen. Cause I just haven't seen a lot of that stuff. Um, and so, uh, I think this will be a good candidate she, for the sort of like two player adventure game style, you know, yeah. uh, over the shoulders or swap off. Thing. I wanted to do that with Patricia, but she couldn't do it at first, and now she doesn't want to Meaning be spoiled. What? Like she, I wanted to kind of do the little switch off thing, like the hot seat thing, or to kind of she could just have the time or something. Or yeah, what? I mean, I was playing it for work, so I was playing right, it during okay. the day. So yeah, it was one of those yeah, yeah. deals. I know I'm lucky that I can do that, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, it. I think it'd be really fun to play on a stream or like with another person there mm. in the room, hot seating, just because it's it's. I don't know. It's the puzzles are very much adventure game puzzles. Yeah. Only there's nothing. You know, no fur, you know, cat fur mustache or anything like that. It's all very logical. That would be a strange thing. Yeah. It really would. <laughs> it really would. Clone a cat in this weird Cronenberg machine. And then you don't look like hair. the last exactly. living human in this uh, undersea base. He has a mustache. <laughs> I mean, there are things. Yeah. It would be, I think it'd be really fun to play with somebody else. Yeah. So. Cool. Man, I just I just want y'all to play it, and I want to hear about your first experience with Carl, and that's all I'll say all right. until next week. I I intend to play it this weekend. All right, look for Carl. I will. Cool. Excellent. Speaking cool. of looking for Carl, Nick, I hear you've been playing <laughs> Metal Gear Solid Five. <laughs> yeah, Nick's on a sneaking mission for Carl. <laughs> yeah, Carl. Uh, I I guess so. For the benefit of the audience, I have now. Fully completed right. the story. Oh, not that so fake far. bullshit. Not that complete. fake bullshit ending that Nick Brecken, you know, thought was the real ending. Is <laughs> it, it, I so I've I I put in the hours. I I did the optional did stuff. Time. I did the the real <laughs> missions. I love that 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 they're put in the hours is a phrase that <laughs> oh, yeah. has been no, independently in, arrived Chris. at with video. You know, like people say that all the time and never question it. I'm not making. I don't have like an argument to make here about it, but I just think it's one. It's like one of those weirdly kind of distressing phrases that we all just say. You know, <laughs> yeah. like if you're not putting in the hours, you might as well fucking throw away your gamer card, Chris. <laughs> I put in the hours. Right. <laughs> I actually I did uh, not put in yeah, any hours. Didn't put in any hours. <laughs> you yeah. tried, I know, but you just I bought don't. the t-shirt. <laughs> I, that impact, impact font t-shirt. It's such a yes, big put gamer in the hours. boy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Anyway, so uh, Nick, you put in the hours. I put in all those you hours. Beat the game. I beat the game. Oh, you beat it many Good. times. I beat all of the games that you can beat in this game. What's your percentage? Fifty uh, percent, Chris. That's that's actually higher than I thought you were going to say. <laughs> yeah. I also, know. that does say that you have not beat all the games you well, can beat. I mean, you did not beat the hundred percent game. True. Uh-oh. You didn't put in the hours to turn your gamer card. Well, and so actually, the the <laughs> thing I wanted tired. to talk about is is that um, th- this game apparently really does truly have no end to it. Um, <laughs> and um, so cool. so sort of in kind of like trying to sum up my my feelings on the on the whole experience that, that's... I'll briefly say the quiet stuff anybody who's gone I, and I'm not going to spoil anything obviously but man it gets really really gross like egregiously gross like obviously it was already but just to a point at which you know probably isn't going to be discussed because people will not want to spoil it right but 
there is a the, the end of her storyline is actually the worst part of it. And I you know, I won't again, I won't discuss it, but it's super gross. <laughs> and it's really strange. Um <laughs> people who who talk about sort of Critical experiences in games are basically taken hostage by spoilers. Yeah, uh, yes. Yeah. It's so much, it's, I imagine this is probably true for people who write about film and television and, and so on as well, but it feels so much worse in well, games. You don't have to do the time. Yeah, exactly. You don't have to do the time. Or even the amount of time you do have to do is prescribed. Even I feel in like, a, we, also even in a full like we also get into like asp- aspirational American po- political <laughs> bullshit of just like, you know, I'm. I, I'm not a millionaire now, but I'm going to fucking vote as if I am one. And you cannot fucking stop me because one day when I'm rich, right. I'm going to get all these fucking tax breaks. And I feel like yeah. it's like I'm never going to put 50 hours into fucking Metal Gear. I'm going to put like 30 at the most, right. 20, 15, 10, and have a great time. Yeah. But you better not fucking spoil it because the day that I do finally finish this thing, I'm never going right. to finish. Oh my God. I want to go in fresh. And if you yep. ruin that for me, yep. fuck it out. Oh. So like, look out. <laughs> Anyway, the last five minutes of Metal Gear Solid Five yeah, yeah, yeah. did not ruin future millionaires of America. Right. Um, <laughs> anyway, I mean, it's, it's the last five minutes of Metal Gear Solid Five for now, uh, because the thing that I, I, I can mention now that I wanted to bring up, Kojima's back. Uh, well, yeah, <laughs> kind of. I mean, so there, there's <laughs> there's apparently like a weird, you know, people on the internet have figured this out long before I did, but there's a weird secret chapter hidden on this game uh, that can only be unlocked through the metagame, apparently. Um, and, and I, I really wanted to talk about the metagame in general. Is that like the base sort of, stuff? Or? So the base stuff, so the way this works is you have your, your sort of, uh, base that you're building up. You can buy extra bases. That's the free to play aspect. But in general, using your base, you can invade other people's bases, steal their resources. It's a sort of clash of clansy metagamey thing. But there's an aspect to it that, um, is, uh, is, well, you can, you can, you can, I guess, build research and build nuclear weapons. And so... Uh, you can actually like Civ. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, so I mean, the way it works is actually it's it's weird. So, so if you don't build any any nukes, you can never be nuked yourself. Um, you you sort of opt into that part of the the meta game. Uh, but it turns into a weird um, actual like Cold War uh, uh, mutually assured destruction scenario where uh, if you <clears throat> invade somebody's base, they have a nuke. You have to be at a certain level before you can. You also have to have a nuke yourself. Uh, at that point, they can retaliate. They can choose to use their nuke on you, uh, which actually completely destroys your base, which is kind of incredible considering how much like time and money right. and like resources you're spending. What does that to, like, do to your do... single-player game? I mean, you still always have your own base. Okay. This is your forward base. Right. Oh, your oh, forward right. operating base, right? And so yeah, okay, all these yeah. are, so, so think of it this way. There's the super protected single-player assets, right? Right. Then there's the stuff that's actually like, uh, right. you know, exposed to right. this metagame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so in any case, uh, it's it's interesting. So so people have unlocked a cutscene on the disc. I don't know. I guess this is in and of itself a spoiler, but whatever. It's really not. <laughs> that um, is kind of alluding to this secret chapter that um, I, I guess people are speculating that you can only unlock this this um, this cutscene by disarming every nuclear weapon in the metagame. Um, and so one of, one of the mechanics is you can go onto somebody's base and rather than, you know, stealing their stuff. Wait, you can if there's like disarm. worldwide disarmament, this will unlock? So, people are speculating yeah. if you disarm every nuke in the metagame, you know, on on every platform, it will unlock this like secret ending, this cutscene. And the cutscene is, you know, sort of Kojima's platitudes on <laughs> nuclear non-proliferation oh and just God. all this stuff. 
And it's crazy, I right? Hope this is true. It is. Well, I mean, it's the cutscenes been put on YouTube, so it, it exists. I don't know if the obviously right. I mean, the I actual hope, like unlock steps, the condition. Steps, is the true. condition yeah, yeah. is back. That's exciting. Yeah. So <laughs> that's a really interesting thing, um, and it kind of uh, it kind of made me think about what this game is doing in general, and and just tr- thinking about the game as a whole and like how I feel about it, having spent like thirty hours on this thing, and just like the series as a whole. At the end of this thing, you get these this long sort of chain of events. And it's 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 a you know 1964 snake does this uh, China tests its first nuclear weapon you know it's sort of interspersed with real events and all these things that are meant to like make this thing feel like a, a really epic work of just you know <laughs> like video games and, and and politics and you know racial topics and but it's all garbage and the thing that <laughs> the, the, the lasting feeling that I have about Metal Gear I guess is that it's just the biggest blown opportunity. Of, of of all of video games. Wait a minute, I, I, thought it was actually, the new, I thought it was the new Far Cry 2. I thought it was Goaty. What's well, going I mean, on here? Far Cry 2 was previously the biggest blown... Uh, there you <laughs> go. You know, no, there it people is. People didn't like that game, Jake. Uh, <laughs> but we did. Yeah. I feel like... I feel like it just really, for me, just is is exactly what I expected. And, and it's sad because I, I just... Everything about it has so much potential in a lot. Like, the mechanics of it are so interesting... And just the 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 wrapper that is, is the fifty hour wrapper or whatever that's there is just so jarring and strange. Um, I kind of know how you feel in in a so the the way that I I I guess the way it feels to me is that this series is actually in some for a series that had that existed for so long with relatively little discourse about it until the sort of Metal Gear Solid version right like before that the series already existed for i think a full decade right yeah Yeah, actually i think 11 years yeah Yeah. and um and so you the thing that is remarkable about that is that ever since the very beginning the game has been under the control of one person yeah even more like it's sig- not- significantly more yeah. than Mario since game one or on Zelda since game one. I mean, mm-hmm. this is like I can one continual series with a continual storyline under the continual direction of one man in a way that d- I don't I, I'm pretty sure does not exist. Certainly does not exist at the commercial level mm-hmm. in video games in any other instance for that mm-hmm. length of time. And with this many games, I think it is actually sig- singular in that respect. Yeah. Um, and Beyond that, he doesn't break continuity. He never rebooted it. And it also, essentially every game in this series operates in this crazy world of faith that the player has actually played all of the other games mm-hmm. in the series, including the the pre-Metal Gear Solid ones, you know, yeah. the ones on, on, uh, on MSX, MSX yeah. and so on. Yeah. And that, I think there's... In some ways, there's a lot of integrity to that. Like I, I, I actually think that that is. I don't take issue with that. Is what I'm saying. Even though I'm, I'm in all likelihood never going to go back and play all. I, I've played some of the original Metal Gear and Metal Gear Two. Um, after I kind of did my 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 Metal Gear Solid one through four binge several years ago, <laughs> I went back and played the the original two Metal Gear games. Uh, I'm probably not, I'm, ne- I'm probably never going to play the PSP one, which I know a lot of people really love, mm. you know, like there's just, there are just some Metal Gear games. I'm just, I'm just never going to play. Cause I either the don't own the console one. or yeah. I'm just, yeah, right. Um, and 
the thing that is a bummer is that whenever I try and take make the good faith effort to go and understand all this stuff, it's just so mired in just infinite soap opera. It's like, just that's the stuff that undermines it to me. Like yeah, th- so there's. I guess there when are, I said goofy, I guess what I meant is gaudy. I mean, it's probably a yeah. better word. Yeah, that's I see I, that. Yeah, it's it's really just. And, and, and what's frustrating about it, and I, I, I really want to talk about like specific scenes, but but it, it really feels like there's a kernel in every beat that Kojima presents that could have been fine, and then he just takes the other pile of kernels and just throws them at the screen. <laughs> in every instance, it just never stops. If you just cut it off with Snake and this guy just like having a hug, and not the other thirty thousand crazy things that happen in a scene it probably would have been fine and actually really as a, as a huge body of work, you know, interesting. Let's just keep it very basic, you know, but God. When I, so Metal Gear Solid five is a, is like, I still think an, a pretty incredible game on its own, like as a game. Um, and which I didn't expect. And I, I'm like very pleasantly surprised by the many ways in which this game is remarkable and actually kind of visionary in some cases. Um, and when I started it, I, I posted, or not, not when I started it, when I was anticipating its release, I posted a sort of half joking, but also actually like mainly real tweet about not like never being able to keep track of when Snake is that, yeah. solid Snake and when he's big boss and when he's anyone else. And that like, I, I'm not, I'm not saying that I'm, I'm bringing this up not because I'm incapable of understanding that one difference, but more because that thing is a microcosm of my attempt to actually get a handle on the entirety of this yeah. series, which I find basically impossible. And I know there are well, people who do basically have that in their heads and it is, and it has made me kind of realize that I think some people actually receive stories like this just differently than other people do. I think if you really um, spend a lot of your kind of entertainment uh, time, like your brain cycles engaging in sort of like really um, dense, intricate genre fiction that is very like deals in sort of Baroque plotting and things like that. And you do that for, you know, decade, a lifetime's worth, or even if you're, you know, our age and not that old, like what, however long your lifetime has been, I think you actually develop your brain to, to be able to keep that stuff in it. That is not the kind of stuff that I have doubled down on in my (laughs) brain. And I think it has left me basically incapable of, of apprehending something like the Metal Gear series. I can't, I cannot do it. And I don't think I'll ever be able to at this point. And I've tried like reading the Wikipedia summaries. Oh, you like, have? Yes, I okay, have. See, and I did I, that and I got it. You know what oh, I mean? I like I pieced it I together. I can't do it. I cannot I totally do pieced it. it together. And I was like, oh, okay. I, I, I sort of understand what Metal Gear Solid 1 was in Kojima's brain now. Like kind of, you know, I, I, I vaguely understand like how all this is supposed yeah. to, at the end of the game, he, he does linearly, you know, year by year sort of, you know, this is where Metal Gear 1 is, and this is what happens in Metal Gear 1, and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it's just... It, You're just it, saying it doesn't add up to anything once really you've done that. It doesn't really add up that. to anything. I, the, yeah. the scenes within this game are not enhanced by any of that stuff, because typically those scenes are spent either uh, blowing past that, you know, like basically making it impossible for you to understand what's going on because they're just assuming you know it already, yeah. or doing the opposite, which is just... D- literally like 10 minutes of a guy saying like in 10 years i'm probably gonna go do this stuff you know and it's just like oh well all right then i can't i understand i mean i i get it now i understand why you are in metal gear solid one doing the stuff you're doing now but 
I, yeah, just like ten minutes of you explaining that to me. What we- I find it so emotionally exhausting. It, it, it's like you have to appraise it with the sort of intellectual vigor that you would reserve for like a, a difficult work of fiction or something, yeah, like a, not, a novel not, that's like a difficult. Not really, I mean, let's be honest, because you I know, understand as, what Danielle's saying, right? But I'm saying like it, me, it's, it's going to take that sort of mindset to do it, and I don't want to do that for this. It's not even that. Whether that's I was, shitty I was desperately or not, just trying to figure out if I was missing something. You yeah. know what I mean? In many cases, it's just. Am I missing his point? And you have to almost do the due diligence on, like, if you're going to be on a podcast, I guess, of just finding out whether you're missing something. <laughs> and then you spend a lot of time and you go, oh, I, okay, I guess here, the thing I was missing is just kind of, huh. Here's an example of what I was getting at that is, that is a real challenge for me. I'm going to just read some of our Metal Gear Solid 5 email now rather than during email because, sure. it's, you know, yeah. we're kind of giving um, these broader thoughts about the game in the series. So uh, Abe De La Rosa writes... I wanted to touch on something mentioned in the latest podcast with regard to child soldiers in Metal Gear Solid 5. What you have to remember is that even though at this point Big Boss has led more games than Solid Snake, and so the series post-3D is more associated with him now, back in the NES days, Big Boss was the bad guy of the franchise, a bad guy who ran a private army and was using child soldiers in the fictional Zanzibar land. As we get closer and closer to the lead character Big Boss and final boss Big Boss timelines converging, there had to be some scenes explaining how those two can coexist. And and this is this is kind of right. It's like yeah. oh man, it's I, I do think it's actually impressive, and there is like serious integrity in Kojima maintaining this continuity with games that he led literally decades ago. I think that is like very fascinating. Um, the the fact that all of that stuff is treated with kind of equal unweighted equivalence. Um, in a lot of cases, makes it unparsable to me, mm. basically. God, there was a moment that I thought, sorry, just really quickly, like, yeah, related yeah. to that. I'm done with that. Yeah. I cleared out a, uh, a camp, um, like just a guard post or whatever. I, I, I just faltoned every single dude. <laughs> and then um, uh, I, I started a mission that took me through the same camp like two minutes later. And every person in that camp had been replaced by a child soldier. And for a second, oh. I thought that was something that was being done systemically where I had gotten rid of all the adult oh, soldiers, man. and so they were oh filling God. the guard posts with child soldiers, I, my mind was blown. I was like, that's incredible. Like, that's yeah. a masterstroke. That's fantastic. Of what course, if, it was just a scripted part of that. Thing, what if yeah. that had been the reason all along the child soldiers appeared? <laughs> all the adults were floating God, around I mean, balloons like, to a base. That's what it is. The thing is, like, I'm sh- and it, the thing, there's so much stuff. Right, that you can look at like something like that that new metagame and go, oh, that's that's really smart, that's really interesting, and then there's just a billion other things over here that are just kind of gross, and then there's some stuff over here that's kind of just weird, and then it's just it's just so much stuff that it's. I guess at the end of the day, I I, I mean, Chris, you said I just don't know how to feel about any of it because it's basically just bleh. Um, so here are, here are a couple here are a couple uh, emails about representation in this game. Anders Holland writes, Hi Thumbs, it seems to me Quiet is both part of a grand anime tradition while suffering from some of the worst aspects of anime as well. Anime as a medium is easy to lambast because its flaws are quite graphic, but it's important to remember that despite the fan service and objectification of both female bodies and character traits, where Western animation and games have lacked women-led shows and strong female characters, anime has had plenty of them. Classic icons such as the gender-bending Lady Oscar in Rose of Versailles, the tennis prodigy Hiromi Oka in Aim for the Ace, the nature and peace-loving Nausicaa or Earth Savior Sailor Moon have all made indelible marks on the industry. Shows with a focus on women range from the surreally feminist revolution, revolutionary girl Utina to the Catholic boarding school of Maria Sama Gamiteru 
to the secret agents of the British Library in Read or Die, to the romance of Hana Yori Dango, to the marching band of Sound Euphonium. And that's a very partial list. Apart from these shows where women are front and center, cool female characters in other shows and movies are plentiful, like Faye Valentine in Cowboy Bebop, Integra Helsing in Helsing, Motoko Kasunagi in Ghost in the Shell, and many others. In other words, anime has had a long history of female protagonists and badass female characters, of which Quiet could be or is a part. Just like many of the female characters in anime, Quiet's character is marred by over-the-top and downright gross fanservice. Any viewer of anime who likes female characters knows there's a risk that a character can become objectified through character design, camera angles, or even personality. No media is perfect, of course, and many fans can tolerate it for a show or a character otherwise cool, just like many people do with Metal Gear Solid V. But it can put a real damper on your enthusiasm for a show or character, especially if you'd like it to introduce it to a friend who's not already resigned to the bullshit. <laughs> a good recent example of an anime that on one hand is cool and crazy and awesome with a great visual style is Kill La Kill, a mm. show that I adore but also cringe to as soon as the main character changes into her battle outfit. It's a show where I managed to overlook the absurd outfit designs. Like Danielle, I think camera angles and how the characters are treated visually is a large part of what decides whether I think something is too much. In Kill la Kill, I don't feel like the camera treats the characters in a skeevy manner, and I keep enjoying it. Other shows would show a lot less skin have shut off either because the angle suggested director is up to some lecherous bullshit, or because a female character seems tailor-made to fit a fetishized archetype. As with games, I wish more pressure would be put on anime companies to create less of the kind of male gaze content that lessens the medium, while wondering how much I'm part of the problem by my acceptance of less egregious fanservice. Maybe Kojima should have done a last-minute model swap of Quiet and Ocelot instead of leaving it to the YouTube videos. <laughs> Regards, Anders Sweden. Nice. Uh, P.S. Revolutionary Girl Utina is the very best of all of the above. Um, and then I wanted to read another uh, email from Justin Brown, who writes, Hello, Thumbs. Last week, you guys were talking about Japan's interest in Africa. I have to say, as a black gamer, I really appreciate the representation at times. You think it's difficult finding a strong woman in video games? Try counting how many black characters there are who don't fall into the urban minion or loudmouthed heavy weapons expert. At best, there's a milquetoast sidekick who never voices dissension, e.g. Jacob from Mass Effect. Thinking of that, yeah. More so than gratuitous butt shots and urination, Kojima has always aimed for authenticity in his work, and overall his games feature some great representation. Ed Brown and Police Knots modeled after Danny Glover as a former loose cannon cop weighed down by bureaucracy while trying to take care of his traumatized autistic white son his late wife, wife adopted. Sigint slash DARPA chief tells you in Metal Gear Solid 3 that his motivation is to prove to the world that a black man could revolutionize technology. There's the suicidal fortune who lost everything except the Romanian vampire who had a gay relationship with her father and she breaks down when she thinks he dies. Even Drebin, who largely, largely exists as a menu screen, ends up celebrating the destruction of wartime capitalism because with the nanomachines deactivated, he can finally enjoy peace and a good beer. The item shop has a backstory beyond what are you buying, Metal Gear, Solid's five, Metal Gear Solid 5's theme is language, and even though it has no major effect beyond interpreters, I truly appreciate the, the attention to detail that people in Africa probably aren't operating in English, let alone the breadth of character options. For as sleazy as it can be, there's a genuine sincerity and attention to detail that no one else has. Things are a lot better than they were 10 years ago, but now that we're going beyond giving pats on the back just for featuring characters who aren't straight white males, can we move on to making them actual interesting characters with virtues and flaws? JB. Yeah. Good emails. Good. Yep. Indeed. Metal Gear Solid 5. Man, what a downer of a, of a Metal Gear Solid 5 discussion this has been. <laughs> Sorry. That's okay. <laughs> I, I, I guess uh, I was trying to temper... Um, I mean, my extreme enthusiasm for the, the first yeah. half of it, it really just... Well, it's Nick Brecken Day, and on Nick Brecken yeah. Day, nothing good can, can last. All be it's true. <laughs> it's true. It really is just a reflection of what the second half of this game is, which I think it just is kind of a mess. Um, I'll, I'll probably still play some more of it. <laughs> it's obviously fantastic in many other ways that we've already kind of gone over. Yeah. Um, but 
but yeah, it is. I mean, just in response to that first email, like sometimes I think about, you know, would I show this game to my mom? Would I have, would I recommend this game to my mom? Because she plays games that are, you know, fairly robust at times. Uh, there's no way I would ever <laughs> say go yeah. play it. I would be embarrassed. And that's a bummer to me because there are so many great things inside of this thing. And I guess that's kind of the way that I feel about it at the end of the day is that not even just in terms of quiet, but just in terms of the way that it sort of deals with some of these issues. It's just juvenile and it bums me out. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. Uh, do you guys want to take a take a break and, uh-huh. and decompress from that? Right. My reaction is a huge yawn. <laughs> it's Nick Brecken Day. Sorry. Oh. What? Don't apologize. No, I didn't know. Don't was, apologize for I who you are and I, for whose day it is. I didn't mean to <laughs> to, okay. to swing so. Uh, Brecken got a Brecken. Yeah. <laughs> I was totally going to play this game too. No, you weren't. <laughs> <laughs> Video this episode of Idle Thumbs is brought to you by Parachute, an online betting brand based in Venice Beach, California. Uh, Parachute has a line of everyday betting materials. They have sheets, they have duvet comforters, uh, all the things you need to put on your bed, get a great night of sleep, made of 100% Egyptian cotton, and manufactured in a mill in Tuscany. Ooh. So Tuscany. Approved, yeah. Jake, I hear your cats have continued to enjoy and barf on your parachute sheets. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, they love them so much that they won't leave even if they get sick. Uh, <laughs> I also like them. Uh, I will say that... How they, many times have you barfed on them? I've barfed on them zero times. I think that's there have good. been two cats that have barfed, and 100% of the cat barf has cleanly washed out, and my sheets continue to be beautiful, and my bed continues to be comfortable, even though... I might have had a sick cat for a couple of days that loved living on that sheet. Yeah. I don't want to get too into this, but my cats generally don't actually like spending a lot of time on the bed. They usually don't like the like the duvet cover that we no, have, but they love this one a lot, like too much, apparently. Huh. Oh. They're like living like a hedonistic life on my parachute bed. <laughs> uh, also, it's comfortable for humans. Parachute also does a uh, a cool thing, which is that they contribute to the Nothing But Nets campaign to uh, deliver malaria-preventing bed nets oh, nice. to those in need, which is a cool thing. From That, that is cool. a United Nations Foundation effort. That's great. Um, anyway, if you go to parachutehome.com slash thumbs and use the promo code thumbs, you will get $25 off your first order. Nice. So, I mean, you can't, you can't beat that. You go to parachutehome.com slash thumbs Use the promo code THUMBS. Get yourself some good sheets and comforters. Awesome. $25 off. Nice. It's really cool. Thanks, Parachute. Video game. This episode of Idle Thumbs is also brought to you by Squarespace, an excellent online service that allows you to create professionally designed uh, websites, stores, blogs, portfolios, and more uh, with a, regardless of your skill level, no coding required. Squarespace has a really great interface. It's really easy to use. They have great customer service. Uh, we have many listeners who have built really attractive sites with Squarespace that work well, no matter whether you're viewing them on a desktop computer or a phone, a tablet, or anything else. Uh, I realized we actually have an older email from Cole Ross, who runs mm. duckfeed.tv. Uh, which is a a uh, independent listener supported podcast network 
that runs uh, a few video game related shows like Watch Out for Fireballs and uh, Bonfireside Chat. Yes, which, which is an awesome podcast for the Dark Souls series in Bloodborne. I was actually on it a few weeks ago and I listened to several episodes before going on. I was very impressed. They run a the good a good tight ship. It's there you good. go. And so uh, they made their website with Squarespace, and I'm looking at it on my phone right now, nice. and it looks great. Works very well on my phone. Very easy to browse. Uh, so if you would like to figure out why this is such a good way to make a website and make one for yourself, go to squarespace.com and use the offer code THUMBS to get 10% off your first purchase and to show your support for our show. Nice. That is squarespace.com and the offer code THUMBS at checkout. Excellent. Thanks, Squarespace. Video game. Oh, man, Jake, I heard you played even more Mario Maker, Super Mario Maker. I I I only play Super Mario Maker these days. Yeah. It's super. Um I I've, I've played less Mario Maker than I would have liked, but I've gotten enough like enough of the unlocks have shown up that I kind of have been able to really dig into the editor and actually make levels that I'm not super ashamed of. Okay, I'm <laughs> I'm still ashamed of them enough that I've not yet published a single <laughs> level because I right. think they're all actually terrible. <laughs> um but I, I think I have two thirds to four fifths of the available unlocks, and uh, uh, the editor in Mario Maker is really goddamn good. Yeah. yeah, the editor in Mario Maker is the most seamless, invisible experience in the entire world because a Mario game is being made, but you don't, you can't tell. I don't even know how to explain that correctly. Just <laughs> be being inside the editor and then pressing the button and then having you're in control of Mario. And then you change it from Mario 1 to Mario 3 to Mario World to a ghost house to an airship to underground and having all of that stuff happen without it, like literally it does not skip a beat is, is shocking. But, um, the thing that, that I've become excited about is now that I've, you know, Mario Maker doles out tools really slowly in a way that is, that is annoying uh, it claims to be every day, but if you play with all the new tools that they give you really aggressively, it says, oh, weird, a new delivery has shown up more quickly than you think, and you get you get the unlocks reasonably quickly. Um, but I now have enough things, like I can I can make doors that link up. I love those. And yeah. uh, I can make invisible question mark blocks now. Uh, those showed up, unsurprisingly, in the ghost house tool set, so I've been yeah. making a lot of ghost houses. Nice. <laughs> and it's been really fun... To try and use, like, I'm not actually literally copying existing Mario Ghost Houses because a thing Mario Maker reveals is there's a lot of nuance to Nintendo level design that you can't actually hit beat for beat. Um, but trying to make Ghost Houses that use sort of like the philosophy of Super Mario World Ghost Houses that I like is really fulfilling and lets, like, I don't know if that's what other people are doing, just like... Instead of, like, when I first started using Mario Maker, I just made all sorts of wacky shit, you know, like, yeah. you can make the little Bowser clown cars that he, that he the little clown <laughs> copter that he flies around at the end of Mario World, but if any, if Mario jumps into it, he can ride around in it, and if any <laughs> enemy so falls good. into it, oh, they man. can control it. So, I okay, so I did make a ghost house with my friend Jared that at the end, initially it just had, like, aesthetic-only thwomps, whereas you're running towards the end, it was just, like, those guys just dropping down. Behind you? And just, like, they were just hitting the ceiling to, like, oh, make okay, it really yeah. imposing. And then we realized that we could just instead remove the ceiling and just put a row of clown cars. <laughs> yes. So these guys that, like, 
barely fit in, are just like squeezing out of the edge. And <laughs> they, falling black guys? Yeah, they fall, and then their velocity like takes the clown car down oh, super man. low, and then they're not falling anymore, but their characters have a thing where if they see you on one side or the other of them, their eyes like suspiciously look at you. Yeah. So like, you just hear this like, <laughs> just like this like fucking motorcycle gang of huge like Bumps. stone blocks yeah. just gear up as you run by them. They're all just like eyeing you as they chase you through the entire level. Oh man, that's so, like, so good. So like that 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 is really good, but that is also sort of just the excess of Mario Maker that is not ever actually in a Mario game. So like that okay, that part has is still in the level that I'm working on because yeah. it's outrageous. But just like just trying to think through the, like trying to mentally reverse engineer near the thought process even just the spirit of the thought process that like the like in like ghost houses in mario world are really notorious for like you hitting an invisible block that reveals a door that you go inside and then you're in what is by all appearances the exact same room but things have changed slightly and by manipulating those like a beanstalk shows up that you can go up into the ceiling or whatever and building building levels that have those exact same tricks that you remember from mario but have all the details that you yourself have built is really goddamn fulfilling. Um, but then at the end of it, a bunch of thwomps get into clown cars and fucking chase you out yes. of the level. Um, the other, another Mario Maker thing that is like I think exclusive to Mario Maker and not in previous Mario games is if you put an enemy on the tile directly above another enemy, it joins them where the one enemy is then considered to be riding on the other enemy's head, mm-hmm. so they move as a group. Yeah, um, and. There's a there's a ghost house ghost type in Mario World that is not in this, I think, which is one that just sort of aggressively moves from left to right or right to left. Like it just oh, sort yeah. of it's like basically a wipe. It makes you have to move forward because it's just sort of going. But I've discovered that if you make uh, a vertical wall that's the height of the level that is just the squids on top of each other, you just get this weird undulating wall uh, <laughs> of just white f- beast. It yeah. sort of it, it pushes you out of the level so you can make people go into a door into a room. And then it's not an auto-scroll level, although you can author that, but then just a weird, giant, right. undulating squid wall. So there's good things. It anyway. doesn't hurt you? You don't take... Oh, it kills you. Yeah, yeah, oh, no. Okay. It just means you have oh, to get okay. the fuck out. Yeah, move you fast. Okay, yeah. okay. It just, you're, you're, just, you're making the laser wall. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but yeah. it's a weird Mario <laughs> cartoon squid one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm still too much of a baby to publish anything, but oh. the, yeah. the way that it... I don't know, man. Everything just it's 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 well put together. I'm increasingly mad that that there's no uh level to level to level mm-hmm. uh progression you can yeah. make. Yeah, the this they even rub your nose in it because the save game screen is a grid and I didn't notice this at first, but off to the left it just says world 1 1 2 3 4 and there are arrows, but there's no like your save games it, it presents them as if you're making world one, one, two, three, four, world two, one, two, three, four. But there's no way to actually play the content like yeah. that that I've yeah. figured out. I'm hoping they patch in something for that. Yeah, I'm really hoping they do because that would be that would really take it, you know, to that next. Oh, I also started building uh, the, the concept that I proposed b- before we n- knew much Mario about Mario Maker. Oh, yeah, I, I only I built a little bit of it just to test that it would work. Where, like, there's a path that only Mario 1 can make, and then there's a path that only Mario 3 Mario can get to because of jump distance, and then there's um, all these things are made immediately irrelevant if you're new Super Mario Brothers Mario because you could just uh, wall hop out into a completely different path, and it totally fucking worked. But I don't have, I have not yet unlocked the ability to make pipes that can take you from one screen to the other, and when you get that, 
the amount of like square footage you get doubles, I think, or triples yeah, because you can so have pipes linked to a completely second board that you can switch between. Right. Um, so I'm holding off on on cool thing. I'm excited then. to play that because I, I yeah, really like. Really I'm cool. sure there are other people who are making similar things. I mean, I know there are people who are who are now getting like. How do you? How are you going to? Are you just going to export it several times? I would have work? to just. I would have to just. My plan for this, assuming I actually fucking do it, is to make the level, <laughs> then export four versions of it and give codes out to friends and say, "Please test the hell out of this." Do revs on the one master copy of it. Export four more copies. Right. Send that out again, <laughs> and nice. then eventually publicly publicly publish all the variants. Yeah. But um, I know there are people who are like. There are people who have been like notorious Nintendo, like ROM hackers or Super Mario World X people are starting to now make known yeah. Mario Maker levels. Is that correct? I mean, like, it seems like the way people are reporting about it on like Polygon or Kotaku or whatever are like crazy Mario Hellscape levels by known previous Mario Hellscape authors are finally actually oh, yeah. showing up there in Mario like, Maker. That is starting to happen. And oh, I there's think, an amazing example. Yeah, of the that video that, that I saw today. I, oh, oh. excuse me. <laughs> I was shocked. That was Mario. <laughs> there, there's a uh, there's a, a a creator who goes by the name Pangea Panga, and this person made a level called Bomb Voyage. I think it has a longer name, but it's basically Bomb Voyage and Bomb Voyage, uh, Bomb Voyage I suppose. <laughs> and um, there was a video that was released today, I think, on YouTube by Bananasaurus Rex, who is a game speedrunner who I was familiar with because. Of his incredible Spelunky play, uh, Bananasaurus Rex was the first player to complete a solo eggplant run in Spelunky. Just if you don't know what Which that is, is, it's not worth explaining. But it's a type of game that was meant to only be completable in a co-op right. mode. Yeah, and yeah. he soloed it. Yeah, and it was a it was an amazing thing to watch, especially if you're familiar with Spelunky. Uh, so anyway, he he's an incredibly um, impressive video game player to watch, and he. After there have been apparently 11,000 attempts just in the world to complete this level, Bomb Voyage, Bomb Voyage, uh, Bananasaurus Rex posted his successful, the f- first ever successful completion of this level, After other the, than yeah. presumably the person the, who published it. Right. Yeah, the person yeah. who published it, mandatorily completing it in order to be able to publish it. And <sighs> it it's unreal. It is absolutely unreal. Um, it's the Kaizo Mario level of just insane yeah. jumps, the, the tricks the you reason, need to do. The reason it's called, the reason it has bomb in the name is because the main sort of mechanic of this level. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Is to use, is to use bombs, like the sort of timed bombs. The bomb bombs. Yeah. That can, that can, uh, <laughs> you can hold until they ex- eventually explode. And so you can sort of prime them is to use those for all sorts of purposes. Do sort of explode areas. Do you have to get through to bounce on in midair to like dislodge other things? You just, you have to use bombs in many different ways to complete this level. God, this is a fucking smart level. I'm watching the video of it right it now. Is. I, it is. It is amazing. I sat there watching this this morning and I kept, I, I just unbidden my body. I kept forcing me <laughs> to just emit exclamations. I was just sitting there going like, Oh my God. Fuck off. Oh my god. <laughs> what? I mean just the whole time I couldn't yeah. believe it. I I it's I watched it 3 times through. It's remarkable. Yeah. It's remarkable in its creation in how painstaking it must have been to make this crazy fucking thing and then also <laughs> remarkable to see the level of play 
in completing it. It's just unreal. Yeah, I, I saw I saw some other video like that it. was like watching this watching this bomb voyage video is is really cool because the level is also like when I think of the sort of ultimate crazy challenging like Mario hellscape levels, I usually think of just the cacophonous mess that you have right, to barely yeah. make it through. Whereas Flames this is like everywhere. Yeah. the the bomb voyage video is just like it's clean as fuck. Like yeah. everything in it is just intense mechanical scenario design whereas the like a, another video that i saw was way more of just like someone pointed like a out bullet hell hellfire yeah, yeah where it's just like yeah. there there were again like ten thousand playthroughs and only four completions or something but the very first thing that happened was there are like 15 chain shops that are all like barely constrained and you have to wait till their pattern lines up and make it through and that was all just very right. sort of precision saw blade dodging yeah. whatever but the that Bon Voyage video is actually just, like, amazing level design as well. Yeah, oh, it's, it's really cool. It's out of control. Yeah. I, I started, um, like, a little series on my YouTube channel of just the craziest Mario Maker levels. And we, we saw this one kind of too late, but there have been a few other really fascinating ones. There's one that's, like, somebody created an art gallery in Mario Maker, and it's all just little 2D paintings, quote-unquote, of, like, weird little things, like... This is this is a Koopa on a date with another Koopa, and he wishes he was on a date with someone else. Like weird little, like bizarre, yeah. cute, funky little things. There's just so much. Like I don't know. I'm I'm just really pleased so far with just how much creativity there's been in this game. It's like continually fascinating to see mm-hmm. all this stuff. Yep. I hope it does not get wrung out too quickly. Like I mean, yeah. I think I think Danielle said you're like that that sort of art level. I suspect that's the sort of thing that is going to get wrung out pretty quickly. So, For better or my, worse, but I think that the the madness of challenge is probably going to last a little longer. What, what? Yeah, I mean, I bought it last night, um, and I only you know loaded up for like forty minutes. But my initial impression was that I feel like this game is really wanting for some easy method to get at like a. I mean, basically, it's the world thing that you're talking about. Really, mm-hmm. it's just like I want like a measured like uh, chunk of content that isn't the crazy like don't press any buttons Mario thing. And isn't like the super hard thing. I, I just know. want I want some way to be able to filter for like a good Mario level in the search. Yeah, because we, right now it's going to be really difficult. We yeah. talked about that earlier too. Like it, the the way that the favorites stuff works and the way that the popular stuff works is almost impenetrable. Where it's like, yeah. are you making a Mario game that acts like a Donkey Kong Junior game? Then you're going to get rated high. Where it's just like a good Mario does it like just there's no like give me a nice Mario yeah I also, just want a nice Mario there's, there's <laughs> the lack of tags and stuff the, the thing that you said just now that I it made me think of a thing that I had not thought of before which maybe you were referring to but if people could create world maps that they could distribute if that was not limited to just levels that you created and you because like I always yeah. been thinking about it in terms of like uh, I would like to present, you can make a playlist. Yeah, basically. if you could say yeah. I'm I'm a Mario Maker nice. curator and if you follow me yeah. every two weeks you're gonna get a world map that contains twelve levels and they are the best things that I've found in Mario Maker and you're guaranteed a fucking crazy Mario experience or I will theme mm-hmm. you know yeah, that'd be cool. you're always gonna so get a ghost awesome. house three levels in or like this yeah. is all auto plays that are amazing or this this yep. world map is just like if you complete this entire world map with the one life that it gives you, you're the Lord of Mario Maker or whatever. Like just Mario Mario Maker curation through world maps would be incredible. Yep. Man, that would be really and good. Playlist yeah. functionality, it seems to me, would they've made this incredible editor. They've made this really awesome yeah. game. Like a playlist functionality can't be... I feel confident in saying Nintendo can figure that out if they feel... Yeah, the most to. insidious proposal was... <laughs> uh, is 
also the most bleak and most sort of obvious if you're bummed is that that's just Mario Maker 2. Wouldn't that fucking suck? Wouldn't that fucking suck? It's like, now you can make a world map. You can customize it with little dancing palm trees and stuff. It's like a whole new thing to make. Right. Eat shit. (laughs) Fuck. You mean Mario Maker World. Super Mario Maker World. Super Mario Maker World. No, it would be called Super Mario Mario World Maker. Super Mario World Maker. Oh, my God. Oh, God. And now we're dead. There it is. Super Mario Maker 2 never quite released. (laughs) Star Fox yeah, there's, there's Super just, Mario Maker Two is just a normal Mario game. Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gross. Oh. Yeah. Super Mario Maker Three, secretly the best Super Mario. Maker. <laughs> they have like Super Mario Maker Sixteen in Japan at this point. Oh man, <laughs> you can make your own suits. Um, yes. Yeah, man. Super Mario Maker, Super Mario World Super Mario Maker, Maker, Kill Me is yeah. the subtitle, yes. and it, you can make world maps. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can chain together world maps to create an entire game, and Secret also, worlds. and also, you can also <gasps> finally Secret you can make the stupid sloped ground from Mario Three, which <laughs> you can't <laughs> make in this game, which is really annoying. Yeah. Oh, he's so cute when he slides on his little butt. No butt slides. Oh. Missed opportunity. They're saving it for Mario World Maker. That's really hard to say, so it's not going to be called Mario that. No. World Maker. <laughs> Speaking of cute things, although not a butt slide, I just want to briefly mention. <laughs> Today's today's little game that I want to mention on the podcast is called Undertale, and it's sort of it's is it T A L E or T A I L T A L E okay. like story tale, and it's it's big with the cute and quirky set on Twitter, which naturally I'm sort of a part of and enjoy a lot of the things that they enjoy. Uh, it's a really awesome little RPG where it's it's very Earthbound ish uh, indie RPG made by a person named Toby Fox. I think they just worked alone on it. And, uh, it's, you know, the, the concept is instead of sort of fighting all these people in the battles, you, you try to make friends with them. And it's sort of like a conversation system as opposed to a traditional battle system. So you can compliment an enemy and that sort of thing. And the battles have this weird little WarioWare sort of bullet hell dodging minigame as part of it if they do attack you. It's, it's cute and weird and it has a really good story and interesting writing. It's very fun. It's definitely worth, uh, checking out. So that's Undertale. From Toby Fox. Cool. Nice. Yeah. It's a nice game. A nice game. A nice it's Mario. It's a nice game. You're making friends with people instead of fighting them. Hmm. By talking. Using and you can your still use words. the phrase bullet hell to describe part of it, apparently. Yeah. It kind of fits, actually. <laughs> Tags. It's nice. a nice game. Tags, <laughs> nice bullet hell. Tags, bullet, bullet hell. <laughs> nice bullet hells. Purgatories. <laughs> uh, bullet heaven. Yeah. Lucas Ulrici. Uh, are we doing Ritter Mail? Yeah. Oh, yeah, we are. We obviously are. Hell yes, we are. It's time for Ritter Mail, a recurring segment on our podcast where you, <laughs> the readers, write in and we talk about things you say. If you have a question for us, write us at questions at idlethumbs.net and Chris will read them. Yes. If Chris isn't here for some reason, I will really awkwardly and sadly <laughs> read them or sort of secretly just say I don't have the password and not do the segment. All right, that happens. Lucas Ulrici writes, hey, guys. After laughing at work over Chris's reading of a Sony exec's email about what to do with one Sonic the Hedgehog, (laughs) I pretty much forgot all about it until a few minutes ago. Last week, I was taking notes for my (laughs) developmental biology class, when I learned about a family of proteins and vertebrates called hedgehog. Hedgehog includes a few specific types of proteins, including Indian hedgehog, desert hedgehog, and a Sonic hedgehog. Oh, no. There's a protein out there, one that has various functions, like making sure our pinkies develop in the right spot, called Sonic Hedgehog. <laughs> the best part about it, I was studying for my notebook just now and found out that I kept writing Hedgehog instead of Hedgehog <laughs> about half the time. Completely subconsciously, Hedgehog flowed onto the page from my pen at least five times. God. <laughs> 
In my mind, hedgehogs are slowly transforming into hedge dogs, and there's nothing I can do about it. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. Best regards, Luke from Sacramento. Some future genetics experiment uh, goes entirely wrong where a cloned animal has no pinky because there's this guy. No, I mean, hedgehog dog this guy is lacking the correct hedgehog protein that makes him associate hedgehogs with mm. hedgehogs. That's what it is. Right. I mean, this all makes sense. This is why Sonic's hands are so big. Because, like, instead of the oh, pinky, it all went to his other three fingers. He just has pinkies growing everywhere. <laughs> all those is. weird protrusions in Sonic's <laughs> that's head. What he is. Those are the Well, let's be honest. That's, that's the yet undiscovered Sonic Hedgehog protein. That's you, a different one. So, like, Sonic is always <laughs> rendered in kind of like super slick cartoon format. But when you zoom in on him, a la Ren and Stimpy close ups, yeah. you see that all of those big blue oh, spiky pinkies. things are just grossly rendered pinkies. <laughs> blue weird pinkies. Yeah. <laughs> when Sonic takes off those really fast shoes, he just has weird. five pinkies. Yeah, they're actually still weird, like gross, fleshy pink color when you actually zoom in on them. If you do with far like enough, hairs yeah. and <laughs> stuff, and like probably yellowing fungus fingernail. Right, and yeah. little tiny insects crawling yeah, around. Pro- yeah, 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 yeah. Little white mites. Mm-hmm. <laughs> white mites and hedge dogs. <laughs> God. The Ren Stiffy scene would be really good. Oh, yeah. I feel the need for speed. It's just zooming out of his face, just like droopy, you know, like just stuff coming out of his nose. And just like, Definite yeah. under eye droop. Yeah, yeah. God, this just, this that, just that sounds like a, you know, like. This just sounds like a, like a Newgrounds cartoon. Yeah. They're probably, this probably already exists yeah, with true. Sonic the Hedgehog. It exists on, on, that bad, on that bad Sonic running Tumblr oh, that existed for a while. Yeah, also that. Yeah. Bad Sonic fan art. Uh, Zach Chin. Oh, here's, here's another Metal Gear, Metal Gear Solid 5 email. Zach Chin writes, Hey, Thumbs, about three fourths of the way into Metal Gear Solid 5, the game gives you the opportunity to develop full realistic and in no way sexy military garb for quiet. The outfit stays on her at all times and makes all the gross zooms on her chest and butt simply an up close view of heavy cargo pants or a bulky bulletproof vest. To me, this outfit almost feels like a way to censor the camera director, highlighting video games' unique ability of forcing the creator's voice to pass through the agency of the player. This doesn't excuse the sexist portrayal of characters in Metal Gear, but the fact that I can choose not to partake in it as much makes me feel much better. Thanks all, Zach from Santa Cruz. Yeah, the sad thing is that it doesn't matter for some cutscenes. It forces the mm. gross thing. It, isn't the whole justification... So if you can put clothes on her, doesn't she not breathe? Like uh, yeah. That's the whole justification Shh, for... Quiet. Okay, all right. Quiet. Sorry. Through research development at your base, I'm you can sorry. make it be okay that she wears clothes. Technology. Okay. Uh, Scott Inglis writes, <laughs> last week you guys mentioned the, conse- the cassette tape. If the, uh, hold on. If there's a Ren and Stimpy close-up of that quiet cargo uh, yeah. cargo mech suit, it's actually a bunch of tiny breasts. That's comp- it. Just tiny little boobies. Yeah. When the, on the Ren and Stimpy zoom in of that yeah. new outfit that are all breathing. It's all nipple. Actually, I'm going to read a different email than the one I was just going to read. Then I'll read the email I was going to read after this. So Benjamin Habel writes, Dear Idle Thumbs, I'm currently playing Metal Gear Solid Five, and I wanted to share my thoughts about why... I think the PC version's MP3 feature takes something away from the game. Normally, I try to sneak around bases and outposts that I do not have to engage in combat with, but as soon as I hear a distinct, a, the distant sounds of a new cassette tape, I get excited and try to hunt it down. I even completely cleared a rather large base just to get my fingers on AHA's take on me. Perfect. Um, I think that having the MP3 feature takes away the excitement of finding new cassette tapes. I have to add that I'm kind of an 80s music weirdo, which surely adds to the excitement. It reminds me of a similar experience I had with The Warhorse, which was a pre-order bonus for Red Dead Redemption. It was, I believe, one of the best horse breeds in the game, which is why I never cared about catching other horses. In a way, at least for me, it removed a reason to use a rather fun mechanic. Of course, that could be my weirdly wired brain, and I could just catch horses and cassette cassette tapes for the fun of it, but removing a reason for specific mechanics reduces my motivation to use them at all. 
Did you ever experience something similar in any game? Best regards, Ben from Austria. Yes. There's a game called... This is weird, and it, and it, it just has to do with not using something, basically. Um, there's a game called The Novelist, and it came out about two oh, years yeah. ago. Oh, yeah, I played The Novelist. Yeah, and it... And it like, like Hudson. You could play it as a stealth game, but you don't have to. If you, if you play it, basically, there's a mode where you can play as... In the game, you have to basically follow around a family. It's yeah. a mother, a father, and a child, and sort of hear their innermost thoughts, and then you sort of create a compromise at the end or decide to go with what one person wanted. You can play that game as a stealth game where you are the ghost and you have to hide in light fixtures. Right. And if someone sees you, the compromise is no longer something you can do. So there's this entire other mode of the game, this entire other style of playing it stealthily that I mostly ignored. I, I tried it that way and then I stopped playing it that way because I was just like, because this is getting in the way. In like I could choose to play whatever they call basically, it. Basically, yes. It, yeah. Just the, the sort of other way of playing. So it's, it, it probably was an interesting experience that I like dabbled in, but didn't really sort of fully commit to. Yeah, it's a, that was a cool game. That wasn't yep. a bad thing. Just you know. No, I know. I know what you mean. That's oftentimes the uh, games having kind of a variety of inputs and a focus on on player mechanics can lead them to a sort of like have it both ways solution that sort of detracts from. Yeah what one of the ways would have would have been were it not uh were the other not present yeah um i this this i think is a fair email i kind of simultaneously i don't know i don't even know how i feel because i think he makes a really good point i think one of the really just cool weird interesting things about metal gear solid 5 is how much uh licensed 80s pop music it has i mean in a lot of cases they're covers but they're really like they're interesting covers in some cases they're covers that themselves like have resonance because they already existed before this game did and are interesting takes on on those tracks and uh it's not like gta is maybe the only other series where you'd hear Mm. music like this in a video game and so it's that makes it cool um, but also it's so fucking hilarious to put the like perfect strangers theme into your game that I don't think I want that not to be there. So I don't yeah. know. My favorite moment, uh, having played through the whole game now, um, that track actually gets triggered on the very Which one. Uh huh. No, no, no. Sorry. Just the helicopter track. The perfect strangers uh, whatever, theme. Whatever. Yeah. I mean, perfect strangers <laughs> theme. Um, on kind of what is, again, not technically the final mission, but really the final mission of Chapter 1, which sort of feels like it has the most momentum and weight behind it. And you're on the helicopter with, like, all of your, your gang, and it's just, like, this crazy, like, buildup. <laughs> and, you know, the helicopter zooms out of the base, and then it cuts to, you know, Africa or wherever. I forget the final mission is set, and you're going to go, like, fight Metal Gear. And, like, some guy's talking, and he's like, "We've everything's led up to this snake. This is the big... And then the, the track cuts in right then. It doesn't wait until after <laughs> all of the, like... Crazy like voiceover buildup, and mine was just yeah. So it's just like snake. We got to get in there. Just oh, just we might not come back alive from this one, snake. Everything's on the line. We're oh, Metal Gear and just <laughs> going on forever. It's like two minutes. Like I it played through the whole track for the first time, and and, and then oh, I landed, and then I landed, and it was just perfect. So I, I, I do agree that, like, I stopped caring about finding the tracks after after I discovered this functionality, so that's an interesting point. But at the same time, <laughs> same oh, time. man, really is nice. that good. I feel like this is sort of like an argument I once heard about, uh, you, you know, it's perfect and great and awesome to have, like, 
you know, your own MP3s for a road trip or something. But it's even better if somehow the most awesome song you would never expect to come on the radio actually comes on the radio. Yeah. Like, it's this mm-hmm. weird, unexpected sort of thing that adds a little bit of pleasure to the or, experience. But the other, the other thing that's, that, that can be good <laughs> oh about the road God. trip thing is when the track comes up that you, that you technically chose but forgot because mm. you haven't listened to this album in years or whatever. And yeah. that's basically the equivalent of what happened so, to Nick. That's true. So, he chose the that's thing true. but wasn't expecting it at this moment. Jake <laughs> yes. goes first. I've wanted to talk about first. Okay, I think this is kind of interesting because what he is talking about is how it is potentially, from a design standpoint, more ideologically pure to not allow you to just jam this wacky shit into your Metal Gear experience. <laughs> but you're saying... Fuck that. It's way more awesome to be playing Metal Gear Solid 5 and have stupid shit that I think should be in the game to be here. You guys are now Kojima. (laughs) But that's okay. But to be fair to myself, that was never the the Kojima stuff that I've ever objected to. I I'm not saying the, that. I'm not, I'm not arguing the, against you. No, no, no. I just think it's funny yeah. that like, no, yeah, yeah. There, it's it's like I think it's true. <laughs> it's I think totally true. It's just, you, you're using that, that MP3 folder to create your own version of, of yeah. weird, yeah. totally disconnected shit, yeah. metal yeah. gear <laughs> shit. And I think it's fair to make an argument for that stuff, not being there for a lot of reasons, but at the same time, maybe just indulge in weird garbage. Is all that I'm saying. Especially yeah. in that I, game. I know what Chris That's is saying. Fine, I, think not, there, I think yeah. Metal Gear includes so many different kinds of weird garbage, and some of them are more successful than others. I also mm, sort of, yeah. I also find an MP3 mm. folder that you that is undocumented that you can load things into on a PC in the spirit of Metal Gear, the same way that there are characters who read your save game file in old games. Wasn't well, that a Metal Gear thing? There are yeah, still that, yeah. that was the thing that happened. They would ob- yeah, but like, this is like this, this is they the, like, this is the PC that you gaming a, version of a fourth wall thing. They noticed like, that you yeah. had a Castlevania. Save yeah, and stuff but like, like that. Snake's helicopter can also just play from your MP3 collection in a directory. Because God, why the not? thing that I want, or Big thing, Boss, whatever, fucking no, or is he? Uh, the, th- the thing that oh, I want, the, the thing that I want is I want the uh, multiplayer component to actually. So, so one of the aspects of that is that when you're invading somebody's base, they can then. See that you're invading your base. You wanted to stream then, your helicopter when they come. When they come in to attack <laughs> yeah. me, you know when they when they come back yeah. from like Africa or whatever to like catch me in the act. I want to hear their track. Like, corn yeah. track or just whatever. Like, yeah, just corn like blasting <laughs> in the thirty second lead up to them landing and God. shooting me in the face of the rocket. God, you could like, troll people. Oh, amazing music. Oh, sorry, that reminds me. There's a feature in Mario Maker that I did not know about until. The, the like it was the last thing that I got. It was the sound pack. Koji Kondo re- recorded the Kerber enthusiasm theme. Period. <laughs> <laughs> no. Appropriate instrumentation. This is this is, a, this is a Nintendo making use of all of their hardware bullshit in the name of greatness, which is you can affix stupid sound effects to stuff, so you can walk past a trigger and applause happens, or you know, like there's like yeah, a Michael Jackson like whoo sound effect, which yeah. is hilarious. Yeah. But the each level can also have record whatever you want. Oh wow! Mm-hmm. One one sound patch is allowed to use the remo- the or the microphone inside of the Wii controller, really? and you can just go bleh, 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 and we do whatever. So <laughs> is that get uploaded to the store? No, that's yeah. it's local only. It's, but it, that part's uh, local. But it's yeah. which sucks. But of course, because it immediately just be dicks. Yeah, yeah I mean, pretty much. Yeah, fuck you, fuck you, fuck yeah. you. But it is still <laughs> it is amazing <laughs> because <laughs> I just I just did a super like bleh, laugh, <laughs> and then all of the fucking thwomps getting into the clown car every time they suit up, it plays that sound effect, <laughs> oh. and it's atrocious. And that's all. Um, 
Oh, so you so could do a really bad bootleg recording of the Kruger Enthusiasm theme if you really wanted to put that in Mario. <laughs> Maybe that's why Nintendo's trying to block YouTube videos because they realize that the local version of, of all of these videos would can be just insane. be insane that would, nonsense. No, that would be no they're just trying to block YouTube videos because they're idiots. Oh, yeah. That's Because okay. they don't want other people yeah. making money off of their video game. Nintendo X or whatever the fuck their new console is maybe is going to have uh, its own streaming network that uses friend codes and that's why they don't want you to upload. <laughs> Super Mario World Maker is going to let you watch streams. All right, so Scott no. Inglis writes, Last week you guys mentioned the cassette tape of poop noises in Metal Gear Solid V. <laughs> oh, man. I thought you might be interested know to know this. that this has a mechanical usage. You mechanical use. When infiltrating a base, you can hide in toilets. If a guard is suspicious, they can walk over and investigate. If you play the cassette tape through the speakers of your iDroid, it will convince the guard not to open the door. There are a few other deceptive tapes like this that I've found, including an Afghan lullaby that presumably oh, makes guards one. sleepy and a guard yelling, Target eliminated, which will likely help me end an alert status. Keep up the good work, Scott Inglis. That pooping one is really good. Though. So basically, yeah. the, the guard is like too embarrassed by the awkwardness yeah. of opening yeah. a door onto a pooping man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's not worth it. <laughs> it's, just... it's like, well, he's just pooping in there. Nothing, nothing abnormal. Yeah. It's mm. good. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Pretty good. Um, let's see. So uh, Julie Verone Bowles writes... Hey guys, your recent conversation about acting crazy on the bus so people leave you alone reminded me of my college days and being forced to rely on Greyhound buses to go anywhere outside of D.C. where I went to school. Uh. One time I was taking the bus to see my friend at Penn State. This was back in 2001, so no smartphones. It might have been before I owned an iPod. My entertainment for the five-plus-hour ride came in the form of books, sleep, and my old Game Boy Pocket. At one of the stops in some rural area, a guy got on and sat behind me. I was trying to take a nap, so his exclamations of, ooh, a redhead from the seat behind me were most unwelcome. I tried to ignore his loud breathing in my ear and his questioning about further details of my hair and various other gross comments. Eventually, I gave up, gave up and began to read my book, some random fantasy novel. Guy immediately latched onto this, saying things like, is that some kind of a spell book? I oh finally whipped around and glared directly into his eyes, then started muttering in some incomprehensible <laughs> made-up language as though I were, in fact, casting a spell on him. <laughs> he looked at me, yelled, she's a witch, scurried to the back of the bus. The reminder of the ride was quite pleasant for me as everyone left me alone. <laughs> In hindsight, it's probably a good thing I was reading the book and not playing my Game Boy during this incident, because I don't think pretending to be a Pokemon master would have had the, quite the same effect. <laughs> love, the sco- love the show, Julie. Um, Julie wins that scenario forever. There you go. Good yeah. job, Julie. Um, let's see. But yeah, women have kind of had to do that for yeah, so long, I long time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> situations. Uh, Mike writes, hey, Thumbs, I've been playing a lot of Phantom Pain since it came out. Uh, currently I'm about 16% completed according to the game with about 25 hours clocked. Uh, every time I listen to a podcast or something where they talk about this game, I learn new mechanics I didn't know about. On last week's podcast, the fact that you could throw and drag bodies came up. I knew neither of these things and had resorted to jumping off watchtowers while carrying a body whenever I shot an enemy in one that I wanted to Fulton. I still have no idea how to drag bodies, but the throwing has greatly changed how I handle certain missions. I think it's great that I've played the game for 25 hours and I'm still learning new controls and mechanics and using new gear for the first time. Wait to hear about this poop tape. (laughs) (laughs) Are there any games you can think of that did this for you? Also, I seem to have discovered some sort of conspiracy with the Idle Thumbs podcast. Uh, Let me me preface this by saying that I have a lot of time to listen to podcasts during the week. I usually do it during work. On an average, I listen to about 30 hours of podcasts a week, most of of which is video game related. Idle Thumbs is easily my favorite. Man, I hope our actual, our our lore is to be uncovered. (laughs) Last week, your podcast description was uncannily similar to the giant bombcast description. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Uh, Both followed the format of roughly X percent of this podcast is about Metal Gear Solid 5. 
but we somehow managed to sneak in a tidbit here and there about other topics. It is clearly evident that there's a Samantha West in charge of writing video game podcast descriptions. Can't sneak it past me. Can I get one of you to say, I am not a robot? It would really make me feel better to hear you say it. Anyway, sorry for the long email. Great podcast. I really enjoy listening to it every week. Take care, Mike. <laughs> I am a real person. <laughs> we seem to be having a bad connection. <laughs> no, that that one episode description was just because I was really having a hard time coming up with one. So I was like, what do Bombcast descriptions look like? Which is the most useful thing to say. <laughs> and then I just copy pasted theirs and changed it about ours. Um, but then someone else pointed out that I think it was me and Brad Shoemaker had a brief conversation on Twitter about how impossible it is to write podcast episode descriptions. Yeah, and, then they, and then they thought it was a callback to that. It was not. It was just me being really fucking yeah, it's sad. it's really hard. <laughs> it's really just hard. Copy, paste, that was just click, copy, click paste, drag, right, click, yeah, paste. Tweet, Literally. Yeah. I was really proud that I, I could you, change Brad. Dan to Danielle in that episode See? description. Though. So <laughs> yeah, like, that was, was good. Really good. Yeah. Good name. Also, it was a tiny bit the reason I didn't rewrite it is because I, I like the weird meta commentary on the fact that every podcast is talking about the same two games. Yeah. Yes. Um, <laughs> also, we are for three weeks. Yep. They're good. Good games. Lots of, uh, lots of meat on those bones. Isn't there... Didn't Nintendo pre-pre-announce a new piece of hardware at some at this point? I thought not, they... Not on purpose. Well, mm-hmm. I think they kind of... They mentioned that they're in development. The NX yeah. thing? Of, yeah, NX. Yeah. Oh, it is, it is NX. Yes. Yeah. Oh, man. I, when you said Nintendo X, I was like, that's close. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I think we can assume that assume yeah. the N stands for Nintendo. The N is brilliant. We can Nintendo. assume that it's New an F-Zero X, X arcade console. Nintendo NX. New Wii UX. <laughs> Neo X. <laughs> yes. From Nintendo. <laughs> man, what if they called it the Wii X? <laughs> oh my god oh shit <laughs> Wii U Wii X yeah it's like the family friendly message of the Wii and then it's a huge chrome Wii X just like what, shape what if they called it hopefully the, the one after this. <laughs> no. hopefully the one after that is the Wii Z oh my god <laughs> the Wii, millennium no way it's the fuck that they they need to they, uh, Wii annual they have a GameCube, so they need to make the spiritual successor to the GameCube be the Nintendo X Cube, and then they just need to make everyone want to kill themselves. <laughs> X Cube? Yeah. <laughs> what? Microsoft has an Xbox. Oh, my God. What? It's the thing. We found the cubes are more compelling than boxes. <laughs> it's a very on blade message. Got a, yeah. Xbox yeah. is such a lame name. It's so funny that it's still called that. It's the Direct X Box, Chris. Know, it's a box that runs oh. Direct X software. It's still... Oh, God. That's what it is. It's it? the Brooklyn Trolley Dodgers of game consoles. PlayStation, it's like play on it. They're all so clearly transparently like born of an era that was just like yeah. only marketing to adolescents or younger. Yes. It's really funny to me. Yes. But think about Project Morpheus. <laughs> well, don't anymore because it's the PlayStation VR. That's True. Right. So much classier. It's now. the PlayStation virtual reality. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, if you enjoyed this podcast, please consider rating us on iTunes. I don't know why you would, but, but if, if you do enjoy it, we would appreciate it. Uh, you can find everything you need to know about this podcast at idlethumbspodcast.com. We host a number of other podcasts at idlethumbs.net, including the excellent Esports Today, hosted by Rob Zachney and Andrew Gruen. Man, oh. this week's Esports Today, uh, oh man, I guess maybe by the time this episode comes out, it's last week's. So I don't know how much I want to talk about it. You can talk about it. Last week's, which was called The Polish Menace, the middle segment of it is about um, a fighting tournament that took place on the East Coast, like fighting game tournament that is 
decidedly less scope than the one that everyone hears about every year at this point, which is Evo. And they talked about just like notable East Coast fighting game scene guys who show up and just wreck shop at like 15 games because the like the skill ceiling is just in such oh, yeah. a different place. It was a fascinating conversation. They talk about like watching people who play Street Fighter but who play like Guile and Zangief and like weird characters you would just don't see in major tournament play. It's a really it was a fun. Yeah, it's interesting. It was a fun episode. Crime cool. esports today is what you're saying. Yeah, I mean everything. Whatever. It's a good podcast, but you can uh, find it at esports today. You can find wow. it at the best domain. Yep, it is that. Oh, you can awesome. find that and all of our shows at idlethumbs.computer. True. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Thank you. Thanks. Oh, man, what was the example they gave? They gave the example of a guy who plays as, like, PR Zangief or something. And it's like, oh, that's because he's from Puerto Rico and plays as Zangief. And that's his that's username. Awesome. Yeah. 